0: It's every week that so I've got someone saying, "Yeah, but you can't take away what they did." It's like mm. I'm not saying that, but I am saying he's a fucking racist as well. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, like I, I don't. Like... Like... Welcome to Surviving Society
1: with Chantel and Tiso.
0: This season's broad theme is
1: reconfiguring whiteness.
0: This is just a little episode pre-warning to let you know that we discuss some issues that listeners might find a bit uncomfortable and difficult to listen to. These can be issues of mental health, mental illness and more broadly race and racism. Today, we are really excited to be joined by Rihanna Wolcott, who is one of the co-founders of Project Myopia, co-editor of the anthology The Colour of Madness, events curator, PhD researcher at King's, and a jazz singer. <laughs> like, I think you might be the most decorated guest that we've had
1: Oh, it's, like, a lot. it's a lot. It's a it's lot. lot.
0: Like, I was very Wait. familiar with your writing and then going on your website. It's like, oh, my God, I didn't know all these other things. When like, do you
1: get time to just live? I don't really. <laughs> like, that's probably I'm a, it's it's just, a
0: lot. If you want to get organised, you've got to ask busy people. Mm. So you must be very organised. Yeah,
2: I'm getting there. Yeah. Yeah, my Google calendar is really... Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. honestly. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have a hard copy file of facts. My oh... Yeah, I'll show teach you me, teach like me, do- No, because You need me, to teach me. him. You need yeah. to teach him. He mm. It's been a long process of getting my life together and I've not been
1: good at it. Practically sure. being practical, it's not me, man. Mm. I like thinking. My but dad no. gets
2: me
0: these. Oh, oh. <laughs> so Rihanna's just held up a to-do list. bright yellow, which I'm really Memopads. liking because I'm dyslexic. Yeah, bright no. yellow to-do list for the day. But that's quite a lot of to-dos in no, one no, no. day. This is me
2: planning next week. So okay. Like, that's a whole week. Wow. The to-do
0: yeah, no, the day. In the
2: future? Yeah, you have to.
0: Which is, out of all the things we've just listed there, what's oh, your favourite? Look at
2: the face! <laughs> you was like, yeah! <laughs> that's the day. All oh, nice. Yeah, very so, nice. <laughs> what's your favourite? My favourite of the lot. The most fun is definitely the jazz singing. Yes, that's obviously. The most have you always fun. been a singer? I have since I was about 15, yeah. Oh. Always like jazz? always liked jazz since I was nine. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've done loads of classical stuff as well, but I settled in jazz because jazz is free.
1: Mm.
2: Someone was saying recently that quite
0: a lot of academics have, like, secret backgrounds in music... It might have been less, you know. Mm. Yeah, writing about it, like how lots of academics have, yeah, yeah this sideline, well, side life of it being very much engaged in music. I, I, and can, I can see
1: the appeal to Jasmine, like the free thinking, like yeah. the, the, like, the I, formlessness of it. Like, it's kind of funny
2: because like. my old supervisor, like my favorite, one of my favorite supervisors, uh, she was like, I found out like towards the end of my degree, like I did English lit, yeah. and for me, I was always ever gonna, it was gonna be music or English lit and i decided to do english cuz mm. i knew i could be musical in the background mm. and she clearly had made the same decision somewhere along the line cuz she was like a professional classical pianist at some point Sick. i found out from like the-
0: yeah guys what? i think it's a thing like i mean not right for, to ask if me. i'm talking shit but i'm pretty sure <laughs> that yeah there's a there's a strand of music not for me mi- not for you no for, um, but you like music i
1: love well, yeah i love music no, anyway
0: I do, I do. anyway digressing so should we start from the beginning? Mm-hmm. Can we start from the beginning? Because I think both your professional and academic life is just fascinating. And you're a trailblazer. Like, you've done so much. You're still so young. And it's it's I do girl. I do think, because we were just talking before about all the things you've done, I didn't realise that you were the same person. Yes. <laughs> so all these different things that you've done, I was like, oh, that's you as well. So, um, so, yeah, so you did your undergrad at Edinburgh.
2: Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. How so was that? That was, that was, um, it's a beautiful city. I love it very much. Mm-hmm. And there was a point where I thought I'd never leave. Mm-hmm. I'm saying. But, um, then you do leave and you remember that like, oh, other places have more black people. And <laughs> that is very important to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like it's, it's a lovely city, but the, and the university's trying, but uh, like from the friends I have that are still studying there and like, they get a lot wrong. <laughs> okay. You know. Like everywhere, everywhere, all of these different universities were all fighting to do the decolonisation work and do the the diversity work to, to mm-hmm. make this these places like a safe space for us mm-hmm. to study. But um, Edinburgh's demographics mean that they have quite a long way to go.
0: I feel like I mean it's it's difficult because I know there's some great work that's happening at both Glasgow and Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but sometimes, and I think Nassamir talks about this as well, like, sometimes when we position Scotland as this utopia, we mm. sort of forget that, as in racialized, racial utopia, we sort of don't allow for any space to talk about, actually, it's still a very racist place. It's just, we're just comparing it to England, um, which mm. has got so many
2: issues. But they do
1: that themselves. They do that on purpose, don't they? They do.
2: Like, they, their they, attitude, yeah. their history of colonialism and slavery, like, they're very... It's very cagey. Like, they do a lot of, like, blaming it on the rest of yeah, the Yeah, English. Game. It's mm. the English. It's the English. It wasn't us. It's when the actually, Yeah. Like, if you look at, like, there was a point where Jamaica had more Scots in it yeah. than it had uh, black people. But there's an old so, saying is,
1: um, the English created the empire, so it's the Scots that ran it.
2: That's exactly that's it. That's, that's exactly
1: it. So the Scots that ran it. But when you go there, like I said, they juxtapose themselves... The English, so the English are the bad ones, they're always mm. the old enemy. And, but then, obviously, once you look at Scotland in, in itself, you
2: start looking at the building names, yeah, building names. I well, mean, with Glasgow and Jamaica Glasgow Street? Street, I was
1: like, no, what? but if you go to <laughs> <see> <laughs> Edinburgh, right, there's a big statue. If you go to the Harvey Nichols end, right? Yeah. The guy in the middle of that statue, mm-hmm. cover his name, but he's he's pro slavery. He didn't want to abolish it. Yeah. So if you start looking around, you see that it's everywhere. Yeah, they've
2: got David Hume. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, David, yeah, yeah. Outside the Outside yeah, the Royal Mall. The yeah. They've got buildings named after him in the uni. But the, you know, the, you go into the uni and you're giving talks, <laughs> you know, you're taking your exams underneath the bust of Thomas Carlyle, yeah. who wrote um, occasional discourse on mm. the nigger question. Like, mm. you know, it's not.
1: But you see, the thing is, it's understanding their own history. And, and I, I've said this before on the podcast it's the lack of historical knowledge of their own place mm-hmm. so I said to them like, for example do you know who Adam Smith is and they went what I said he's on your money yeah. he's on your fucking money there's a statue of him in the, on the wall mark <laughs> he's on your money you don't know who he is they don't have to they
0: don't
2: have
1: to do that introspective (laughs) do they and and this is what I'm saying so you need oh they only know
2: half of what he did is the important part so for instance like this guy Thomas Carlyle Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in my undergrad we had to study him on like under Scottish writers (laughs) Mm -hmm. like and then by the time I got to my post grad we studied him again but in this black studies course and you find out that he's this massive enlightenment racist massive racist figure So it's like, this is like part of the work of decolonising the curriculum. It's like, if you hadn't gone further, if you hadn't continued to study this guy, you literally would just leave thinking he was just this...
1: But but this is is the thing. ...level of Scottish writer. It's that holistic way of thinking... I can't take away from the stuff that he's done, right? So yeah. I cannot take away. So whatever he's achieved is achieved, but also I need to know the other side. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Yeah, but they, the pushback is, and I guess obviously with the more recent episodes that we've had, and with, the, I mean, it's tonight is the eugenics inquiry at UCL actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this stuff is coming to the surface again, particularly within academic discourses. Um, and it's like, the pushback just seems to be so real. I feel like it's not... It's every week that so I've got someone saying, yeah, but you can't take away what they did. It's like, mm. I'm not saying that, but I am saying he's a fucking racist
2: as well. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, I, think, like I don't... Like, like, why don't we understand that they... that inflects on what he did? So, like, when yeah, yeah, I'm thinking exactly. about, like, talking about, like a certain philosopher or like yeah. you know like any sort of orator and you think okay so when he says all this stuff about humanity he's not talking about humanity then is he yeah. he's, he's talking about just about, about white people, people. yeah, because he doesn't think I'm part of his humanity so that does inflect on everything he's written it's an important part of his work and it That's reflects so on it reflects on the epistemology
1: exciting. of this whole this is it so like, if
2: we're going to talk about that sort of like that Area of epistemological thought or the Enlightenment at all. We need to understand that the Enlightenment isn't for all of us. It's not about all of us. Like, you know, and we need to then go tea, and look at. Tea, our
0: own. She's going into your Enlightenment, and I'm with her. Like, I
2: told you, I
1: told you. It's, it's not
2: my Enlightenment, what is it? It's not. It's true. mine happened at a different time, and different people were leading it. Because that's not, not my Enlightenment. It's all for it's a c- for
1: a c- certain, certain people who are at certain stages of. Human evolution, isn't it? And so this is the thing. guided by Sorry,
0: Tito's human and evolution was in quotations there. So sorry. he forgets that forget. we're audio and the
2: people can't see him in yeah. your vision. Shown like a sneaky camera. Yeah. Because
0: I'm missing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, we've done quite... forget yeah, you're in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So, in this sort of hub of a country that's sort of, like England, is sort of in denial of its history. You're studying there. Yeah. Young black woman... You do something about it. Yeah. This is what this is what I think your biography tells us. So could you talk? Could you talk to that a bit yes, more? Yes. I mean, I think
2: there is something very interesting about being in Edinburgh because I have met some. Absolutely incredible scholar activists. Whilst mm. being there, I'm gonna name just to name drop like one who's doing incredibly well. Like today, she just won another award for starting Fringe of Colour. That's um, Jessica Bruff, who's like a good friend of mine.
0: Big up Jessica. Big up Jess. How you hear this.
2: <laughs> so she's won three awards for starting this initiative where she was in this space in Edinburgh and said, "You know what? This is too white. Fringe is too white." Let me start, and she just started her yes, own spreadsheet.
0: Yes, oh my God, I know yeah. you are talking about she, yeah she started yeah. a spreadsheet
2: the first year, so you could like you know have in one place like open access to see like all of the acts that were more diverse, and then the next year she started going to the venues and got them to fund tickets. You know, for yeah, yeah, um, yeah. BAME people to attend these shows, huge amount of backlash because people don't because people hate things. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> and then she stuck. Star- why do they want
1: the black owned space? Why do <laughs> want the black?
2: Why home- can't? Why are there more tickets for black kids? Why aren't there more tickets for white kids? <laughs> Jesus. Like to see this like show about a black queer woman? Like leave us alone. <laughs> so, it's bad, bad, then, bad. Like it, so, it, and then she's also then gone as part of like a collective. Um, of, like, a lot of other fantastic scholars. I won't name them, but you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Starting this re- Resisting Whiteness conference, you know? Oh, was that, oh, last? that Was that the other week? Was the other was,
0: week? That the the racists picked up on it, the didn't they? The racists picked up on it. Was it The Spectator or The Daily Mail? Spectator. Yeah,
2: yeah. do I believe The Daily Mail. Yeah, obviously they Daily Oh, yeah, exactly. They love that shit. I know, but
0: Spectators sort of try to intellectualise their racism a bit more
2: than The Daily Mail, but yeah. And Edinburgh University did let them down but as edinburgh university has unfortunately got a slight history of not throwing its support behind its uh marginalized students mm. and leaving us to the press as you also see that happened to a good friend of mine esme allman mm-hmm. a few years ago when um, you know she was lambasted by this like mini little milo yiannopoulos guy called Robbie travers and then oh, she got like splashed okay. all over the news and you know, and the university did not throw their support behind her, and that's you know this is like a a problem that I we feel have. like
0: I feel like that's something that you see across universities I mean we' sat do. in west we're, we're sat in goldsmiths now, and sorry, but so you know, guys are complicit you, as well do you,
1: do you know what they know like because I know how they have businesses role they see that as reputational risk right yes, reputational risk so what do I play down? What's easy to play so down? so the
2: statement they give is always very mm-hmm. you know gentle like and it wasn't it clearly wasn't like an act of malice, that like they didn't go, oh, you know, we do not stand for this and this. <laughs> it was just by not putting their weight behind their student, they left the student open mm. to attacks and you know, like you're supposed to be protecting us. Mm. Like you're not supposed to be protecting your reputation or from the bloody spectator, like who cares? Mm. Protect your students.
0: You're making me think about <laughs> uh, and this might seem slight I don't think it is off, but like when you sort of start university and you get all the contracts through and like you read all about the institution that you're joining, like mm. I do feel like you signed something possibly when you start university and there's all there's saying stuff that about, I will
2: represent the institution.
0: Yeah. and, and there's stuff about like in yeah, equality and diversity and protecting people and stuff. But just going back to the conversation we were just having about philosophers and stuff, they don't mean us, do they? No, We're not actually, in, like, we're not actually included it like i can't they're not saying we're going to protect i can't like there's too many and it might be because i'm pissed off right now like (laughs) particularly of goldsmiths but like there's too many examples i can see where sorry editors look at me so just stop being defamatory but like there's too many examples of them not protecting marginalized students Mm -hmm. there's too many for them to say that they are like what are they
2: who are they for
1: Mm-hmm. yeah no I completely but, agree but, you, but you, I think people always forget universities just reflects society right mm-hmm. so this is no different than the wider society and it's absolutely it but if
2: it's supposed to be a bubble then let me be in my bubble
1: run. <laughs> but, it, but, and but, it's, but
0: the thing that pisses me off mm. about that though I do agree with you mm-hmm. is when institutions market themselves yes. on the fact that they're, that they're not and yeah but, like they can't, they don't get to do that and then at the same time
2: have me up on their website this like is how well
1: we're doing because the, of these projects but this is them. the game they play in corporations they play the yeah. diversity game so it's, it's no different but what I always what annoys me about universities is that they have all the information to do better
2: yeah, they yeah. Have all the information that's to why do I better. have to just collect my coin and go to yeah. this. They have all the information
1: whereas corporations are driven by profit, right? <laughs> so they 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 would they would try to save themselves a buck, but these academics just have all this information and experts in these fields mm. to do better.
2: Yeah. But then again, I'm not gonna like reify these experts either because they can be dickheads too yeah, of course, yeah. like, but look at the, the whole whenever I'm thinking about this like my immediate thought is Mary Beard like, <laughs> like oh my god thought, yeah. someone who should have been able to do better then did not do better yeah,
1: you know yeah, what yeah, I mean but yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. like, that's yeah. not I know yeah. it's, it's disappointing it's don't it's cut settled. that out that's important <laughs> 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 we, we have pre-boards on here like, oh, we've gone,
0: yes. we've gone in we've gone in on MB don't <laughs> so yeah, worry yeah. about that,
1: <laughs> that that's, 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 that's the shame of it all man yeah. like you have all this information where you can actually make a change right and do things and show the wider side how you do things better yeah. so this is what I feel but it's
2: like always it's always, my, it's always cool. us who have like The most to lose, the most to lose, or the least to lose. No, you know what it
1: is. What do we have? But I'm tired of us us always doing, I'm always always doing doing the work. work. We're doing the work. It's all the majority just go oh shit and all they yeah. do is just rubber stamp it
2: I talk about this all the time like I really think that um, like black academics and black scholars like have to occupy like so many extra spaces to what they're supposed to what they're actually paid for like you're not just doing your research like my counterparts my funded counterparts mm-hmm. you know the white funded counterparts mm-hmm. they are doing their PhDs and then just you know keeping mm-hmm. their head down and getting on relaxing man relaxing. being real, being real. Just me, <laughs> I'm doing my PhD editing a book about mental health because yeah. I have to otherwise I'm going to go crazy And then also having to start a project because, and it's like not because I wanted to do any of these things, it's because I saw that they weren't there, and I knew that it was people like me suffering, whereas they're probably not suffering.
1: But I think this is the kind of notion of like what it is to be black, man. And as as I'm getting older, you understand all these various pressures that no one you can't you couldn't even describe to people. Yeah. Of, oh. like, from the, from like, how the, would you say it?
2: Where would you begin? Being
1: misrepresented on TV, from someone not sitting next to you, from someone cutting eyes at you. Yeah. All and this and shit. And then
2: having to just go, fuck it, i will yeah. it myself.
1: Every day. <laughs> Every day.
0: Yeah. I felt like, and particularly when peers or colleagues or whatever find out the things that I'm doing outside of my PhD they'll they'll be they'll really, really question it. It's like, if I don't do this, if I don't do this, mm. if I don't write this letter for this black student, if I don't do this for this person, if I don't do this event, if I don't do that, who the it fuck will. is going to do it? Because you're not doing it. Yeah. You've been in charge for years and you've done fuck all. Yeah. All you've done is marginalise us, steal our information, uh. study us and get professorships. Like, I, I just can't sorry i'm i'm really pissed No, off. that's sorry. it that's i like, really i'm really i just I, I feel like and just going back to what we were talking about before that purposeful um exclusion that from those that have got the, the it's willful. It is willful and that's what i feel like i'm coming to terms with more recently like always knowing that inequality's there always knowing you've had to fight it but as i get further and further into the academy um know certain people all these different things i'm like wow like you don't care mm. and also the levels that you don't care reach to the fact that you almost want to fuck us. Mm. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like you don't some want people, us there.
1: Remember, like some of them, it's not because it's. The it's, they benefit from it so they're not going to say anything they're not going to do anything they're just, gonna just let just leave things as they are yeah. some are willfully doing this but mm. the combination of that both creates a system where I'm fucked right yeah
2: <laughs> both sides I didn't even I realised I didn't even say what I did in Edinburgh <laughs> yeah I am sorry
0: I'm like I I was, no I was, because you in a very like in, a, in an amazing way I said you started up an organisation and then you started talking about all the other amazing organisations <laughs> that have started in Edinburgh I'm as loser. well <laughs> no like it's so it, that's yeah. lovely you know it really is well, so,
2: yeah what, what I did along with my co-founder Toby Sharp we mm-hmm. at the end we just started our masters mm-hmm. and we'd done an english literature undergrad and myself as you know a black queer woman with mental health issues and himself as well identifying as like white gay jewish mm-hmm. guy um also with like some mental health issues, we realised that we'd gotten the whole way through this first degree and not seen ourselves reflected in anywhere except for like the most fleeting moments in optional courses, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was like very much pigeonholed till right at the end and we realised that you could go through and do the pre-honours and then choose things from the honours courses that meant that you never had to engage with anything by, like, a gay author mm. or a black woman. Mm. You, could, you could feasibly get through the whole thing without touching on that. And we thought, well, what kind of English Lit degree is that? Like,
0: See, I, in my head, English Lit is more is, is better than that, but, it's, but that's just me inventing that in my head, thinking that it is. You think it's but, it's but it's clearly not. But they do
2: the bare minimum. I'm not saying that you didn't have any. okay but there was very little. Yeah. And, um, you know, the reason why Toby and I ended up in, you know, classes that did focus on race or queering fiction is because we sought them out. And, you know, we basically wanted to make it easier for people. And, you know, we had to seek them out to the exclusion of others as well. Mm -hmm. So it was very much like I could take this class on race and that meant I wasn't able to take this class on queer literature. Mm -hmm. Yeah because there was only room for me to have one of the optional courses. And then my, my core course was about romantic Victorian fiction or whatever, you know? Like, that was the choice that you had to make, which is a difficult thing and not a fair thing to have to do because no. these things should have been embedded. There's no reason why you can't embed a discussion of race into that core course about romantic fiction. <laughs> So what we decided to do is that we created like this interdisciplinary resource because we understand that it's not just literature, it's the whole of the arts and humanities Mm -hmm. and it also extends into the sciences and Mm -hmm. medicine. Uh, So we've got this website called Project Myopia that also has like an Instagram account and a Twitter account where the Instagram is for, like, short read versions of things. So it's like a bookstagram where we regularly update.
0: that's so cool.
2: (laughs) Thank you. With pieces of, like, literature, fiction, art, things happening in your city nearby that you should go and see. And uh, then the the website has more long form, long reads between about 750 to 1,000 words about any piece of material that you believe belongs on your curriculum. So all we do is we ask students to write us Mm. A piece and like justify why it should be there. If you are a a course creator um, you can then go into the site and say you were trying to create a course about modernism instead of just going oh yeah throw some TS Eliot on there you could go to hashtag modernism on the site and then be like given a plethora of authors that might be queer might be black that also fit into this you know into this area because You know, when I think about things like Nella Larson's Quicksand and Mm Passing, that is an example of, like, a Harlem Renaissance black woman, African-American writer, Mm -hmm. is always put in courses about black women's fiction or black writing or whatever. But why is this not an example of modernist fiction? Because it certainly fits. So, you know, like, it's this idea that the people who create the canon and the people who belong on the canon and the incidences that we have as, like exemplar of like a certain period or movement are always white men and there's no reason why we shouldn't have it like these are like english literatures literatures in english
1: but do you think people who teach that are equipped to do that so if i put them on there mm-hmm. do you reckon they are, they are equipped to kind of teach on those subjects because i think when they're talking about when they're talking about themselves there's like there's, they're comfortable mm-hmm. when they're talking about race or anything like I no, could, but I the, just, bit, the, bit, the point see, is that they're see. not
0: necessarily talking about race. Like it's, it's a it's a genre of literature that should be just as ex, as res, basically. Yeah. My answer to your question is at the moment how I'm feeling is they're not
2: equipped to teach. Then mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. like that's exactly because, it because if you're only focused on, on <laughs> if you're only do you focus, think a black teacher let's put the spin it then if a, if a black teacher was not equipped and able to teach about T.S. Eliot. They would
1: not have a job. That would just never happen. I agree. But and this, and this is what, what I... got. Well, the crux of it for me is the introspection of whiteness. They don't have it. Yeah, so, look, when they it need comes, to get it. And this is... I think this is our theme this, for
0: this this, season, this, guys. the guys. And this, like, <laughs> this is what I'm
1: being, or trying to say. It's about yeah. reconfiguring whiteness now. Because mm-hmm. you don't, they never define themselves. In. Absolutely. So, so you need to define yourself now, right? Because I can't do no more.
2: Well, here, at this point, all we're doing... Is like I've given you an example, but we're offering just options. Like these are. We've also done a lot of um, interviews with, say, so one of the recent pieces we had was an interview with some of the medics from UCL about decolonising medicine. We've got economics pieces about feminism. So it's not all just about race on there. Mm -hmm. It's you know we're talking about race and queerness. I was in the UCL
0: medicine
2: doing stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So this is like we're basically trying to create a database so that a teacher trying to decolonize their course (laughs) has options of like different things that they could add to the course extra readings they could add to illuminate even if it wasn't like a central part of the course and for yeah just to think about that question a little bit like are they equipped to teach Nella Larson's uh, like Mm -hmm. modern like if you're trying to talk about a theme like this is again very Mm -hmm. literature based Mm -hmm. if you're trying to talk about a theme, a period of time, and you can't pick up the ways that Nella Larson in this novel, like adheres to the structures of modernism, mm-hmm. then you're not worth your salt.
1: So, <laughs> so it's, it's it's more about, I suppose, for us, breaking the canon.
2: It's breaking the canon. Breaking that canon. Telling, they always tell you that the canon doesn't isn't real, it doesn't exist, and then continue to adhere to it. It's very real. It's very, very real. Very real. <laughs> I'm trying to expand the canon. No, not, yeah. And one of the things that I'm often told is, oh, you're trying to get rid of Shakespeare. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to make us read Shakespeare with more breadth. I'm trying to make us talk more about queer themes in Shakespeare. I'm trying to make us talk more about race in Shakespeare. Yeah, I was so going to say, like, as if... Should, like, do you know what I mean? It's I've got a bit about example. Shakespeare and my PhD about race. Like, it's, it's, it's as if... It happened literally during colon, like the moment of colonization is mapped in Shakespeare's plays. Yeah. Mm. Like, just look at the Tempest. Like, it's, yeah. to not talk about race in Shakespeare is a deliberate oversight, and I'm trying to make sure that we don't make that deliberate oversight anymore. And there are critical readings and secondary critical materials that we could have by Black and Brown authors, by queer writers, that you know, that mean that people can see themselves reflected in their canon more. Yeah. Because it's it's not fair currently. I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess,
0: sort of, and I, I can imagine this is possibly what you're thinking, T, you. not necessarily that you're agreeing, but thinking about the pushback. Like, even more recently, like, we've sort of made some various discoveries about sociology, Russell Group Universities and their reading lists, mm. and the BSA are doing an investigation into reading lists right now, but it's voluntary, all this stuff. And, like, you're getting people that have trained or been in the academy for years and years that are saying, and this is, this is an academic said this, um, a sociologist said this, I learnt from these people, everyone else can. There's not a problem with them. So this is talking about the key, key thinkers, sorry, in sociology, quotation marks. That's so embarrassing. And it's just
2: like... <laughs> it's just embarrassing it's, for them, and it, isn't it? It's, it's
0: embarrassing, but also, like, how are you allowed to be a sociologist and not have read Du Bois, like, mm. not have read, like, Fallon, what? not read Cesaire? Like, I don't understand. Like, how have we let that happen? But you see,
1: what, what angers me is that... By learning something else doesn't detract from what anyone else is saying. Mm-hmm. It, in fact, adds to it, right? So if, you're, if your whole thing about being an academic is to know, right? It's to dare to know, to know everything, yeah. right? So... To say that you're not going to learn from a certain group of people is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It yeah. defeats the whole point of education.
2: Mm. So I decided that I didn't. I didn't need to learn from them. Sorry, who told you you didn't need to learn from them? Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. mm. you're okay with this. Like yeah. Yeah. you're you're like you're really okay with just telling people your ignorance like that. That's embarrassing. Mm. Anyway, I won't even give that any attention because yeah. uh, it's not really worth. So you got <laughs>
0: funding for the project? <laughs> I, I do. Oh, that's so, so that's funded that's by so, my funding body. That is. Incredible yeah. and so important. So and
2: would you say overall, like while at Edinburgh, it was funded by an okay. innovation initiative grant, which is like the alumni funding thing. Yeah. And yeah, that was when it all kicked off and started. And we pay our pay our <laughs> artists and we try to match up like, so we commission art for each piece yeah. and we try to match up uh, as far as we can like to support marginalised artists. We try to match up mm. like identity mm. to and interests to the piece. Mm. So if we've got a piece about like you know queering gender expression about mm. non-binary and trans the gender expression we'll try and find a trans artist mm. trans POC artist mm. you know and that's been like really important to us uh, so got funding for that. We pay our editors as well. They tend to be, like, you know, PhD students editing these pieces. But mm. also, you know, some younger masters and undergrads, you know, oh, get that so editing experience. Oh, that's so important. We've got some interns now. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Hannah McGurk yes. and Farshney. Oh, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> so, yeah, this so is They're, my, they're and, my girls, my and rock.
0: And would you say that, I mean... Would you say that overall, when you when you go and talk about the project, or when you're talking to people that you're trying to convince them to use the resource, mm-hmm. how would you say overall the reception is? Do you ever get do you ever get big sort of pushback from people within the? We academy? did at the beginning
2: when we were first taking it to Edinburgh when we were just a baby project. Mm-hmm. It was quite um, and like you know whenever we do something like have an article in the Guardian about it that got quite a lot of hate, mm. but, you know, that's just standard in mm. it. So that we, at the beginning, when you take it to academics, they do tend to get quite offended. Like, kind of like the discussion you're saying, yeah. oh, we didn't need it. You're trying to push a liberal agenda, mm. blah, 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 blah. But, like, that was a couple of years back now. But now the decolonisation, like, discussion mm. is happening at so many different institutions and so loudly that it's almost impossible to ignore so we get less and less of that now especially because we're trying to position ourselves as sort of an unaffiliated umbrella project more than anything so Mm. we're trying to like um you know like it's not really any institution over any other that has more of a claim to us we've got contributors on four different continents Mm. you know we've got um, we have an interview with um, Professor Ugubi Watiango on there, uh, you know. So uh, we're we're really trying to like make this like a, a national and then a global conversation about what belongs in our curriculum and our canon. And more recently, in the last year, we've started um, giving workshops at different um, institutions. So I'm working with Kings at the moment to provide a. Uh, graduate teaching assistant like training course so talking about inclusivity in the classroom so part of that is like getting the g because gta's don't have control over what they teach yes right yeah. but they do have control over the classroom space
0: just to be um, just to be clear for um our listeners so GTAs tend to be phd mm-hmm. researchers or people that are just finishing their phd yeah. that are teaching undergraduates
2: yeah yeah so you teach undergrad cour- courses usually the first couple years mm. of undergrad mm. not necessarily mm. the so yeah I think in the last year sometimes it's like the actual Mm -hmm. professors and course organisers who take over those seminars and you're just teaching seminars, you're not lecturing or anything for the most part. We've had like workshops with students to put together the common issues that they've had. We try to get them to be as specific as possible and then we sort of present these findings and we sometimes turn them into scenarios Mm -hmm. as to, like, how would you handle this in the classroom as a GTA? We talk about, um, you know, classroom expectations, the sort of contract between teacher and student about like how you are going to make the classroom a safe and a productive space for its most marginalized members you know what kind of language are we going to allow in the classroom when you when you're reading a text and you're a white PH or white uh, gta mm. are we going to like have something in the beginning that says yeah even if this text this slur is in the text we're not going to say it because we're going to that reinforces the yeah. you know like we're still part of this it's not all academic yeah. like you know mm. but it's like thing you know, calling attention to those politics that exist in the classroom. Mm. And then also like something that I've experienced as a GTA now, like marking papers and so on. What do you do when your students said something overtly racist in this paper? Like, is there a support really? system yeah, for us? T,
0: this is this oh, is yeah. this is what this is what we've taken our eye off the ball a little bit. Like the the stuff that's happening it's it's so refreshing hearing that that is what's happening at King's because particularly in the last six months, what's really brought to my attention is some of the violences that happen in within these lectures and seminars.
1: Violence, absolutely. Perpetuated
0: absolutely. by other students or even other lecturers who aren't equipped
2: to teach. Mm-hmm. What I find... Because there's mm, no, like... what is These training things, like I'm talking in talks mm, at Kings about making them compulsory, but they're not compulsory. Mm, they kind of just liberate, unleash you on it. You, know, you go, it, yeah. yeah, you just go to one thing. There's like sort of like a student agreement or whatever... <laughs> about safety and stuff but who's enforcing it there's not really a real discussion mm. and a lot of these situations are not cut and dry so like as a a, a marginalized minority gta mm-hmm. yourself you might have some idea of like what you would feel comfortable with in the classroom you might have some idea that actually i don't want my children in this classroom to be using slurs while i'm teaching them but if you're like a straight white guy who's up for debate apparently yeah who's up for debate and (coughs) Mm. who doesn't have like any sort of like understand like you know we've done the work in reading like Mm. post-colonial theory Mm. and critical race theory and gender stuff but there is literally no reason why most gtas would have like Mm. why would they have done that work why would they have Mm -hmm. like put any time into understanding pedagogy Like, I don't think that that's common for me to have done at this point. I'm 25. Mm -hmm. Like, why why should I have done all of these things? Mm -hmm. But I have. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I would have if I was a straight white man because our Mm -hmm. workloads are very different, Mm -hmm. you know? Our experiences mm. of the academy are very different I know what I went through and what I never want my classroom to look like but if you were like a straight white dude merrily saying the n-word when it came up in a text why would you not mm. have your classroom be the same?
0: T, can't wait for you to hear one of these students say the n-word because I do you better get out
2: do <laughs> They dare you
0: know. Are you oh, to be fair, actually. No, but to be fair, some of these kids are so... Sorry, I don't mean kids. Some young people, academics, they are so confident. I say kids when they're, they're my age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like They're so confident in their racism, some people. Like, mm. that is what surprised me the most about whiteness. Because I know you say that, T, like... And
1: do new I don't know. No, They're all that, like, we've paid for this. Yeah.
0: It's a marketplace of ideas. Yeah. Freedom of speech. But <laughs> what, 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 what I find... Defeat them
2: on the
1: marketplace of ideas. <laughs> but I, I just find it... Prob- like I said, when I started looking at this whole race thing online, like I said, I find it problematic that these people are so young. Uh-huh. And so in all the marginalised groups, we have their homophobic, we have their against gender issue, where it's about race... These people have not grown up in a time where these things were the norm, yep. the standard norm, overtly, mm-hmm. right?
2: Yeah. But that's made and, them even more, like, virulent about it. We can't do this anymore. Well, that's not yeah. <laughs> so
1: weird. I'm so, I'm finding the language you're using was with the language that would be at place 100 years ago. Mm. But these these dudes are talking, and some of them, at the youngest, 15. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it shocks me. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where that comes from. Like, they're more extreme than their grandparents.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I guess... What Rihanna's saying is those those students are coming into yeah, seminar. the seminar. students are in my class. <laughs> yes. They're in my class.
1: And, and they're <laughs> writing stuff, and then you're having to mark that. Well, so, and, it, <sighs> and so you sit in, so it kind of touches on some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier, about those echo chambers, right, yeah. online. So I will find them on 4chan, 8chan, whatever it will be. And it's that... I don't know if they feel repressed. I don't know if they feel like they've been dying to say this Mm. or they found a space that someone said to you, you know, it's okay to be like that. Okay, yeah, which of it is? I see what you
0: mean. Probably a bit of
2: both. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. It's it's a very strange thing.
2: Maybe they've not been dying to say it but, like, they've been convinced that they've been dying to say it. Yeah, yeah. maybe. You know, because there's a lot of, like, that kind of language, which is, like, can you believe they're stopping us from doing this? And, like, to a people who've never been <laughs> stopped... from like, 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 doing, yeah. yeah. doing anything. We're yeah. doing anything. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of us are not uncomfortable with being stopped from doing... There's plenty of things that I'm stopped from enjoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With, you know, like, that's yeah. just, like, that I've known. So it's, like, <laughs> taught, you
1: know, The so rights of the natural rights are natural rights, man. Do you know
2: what I mean? So, like... And, yeah,
1: I don't know. So, I is that, it, yeah. so is
0: that stuff with GTAs alongside of Project My MyAPL? Yeah, so it's sort
2: s- of like, yeah, it's us branching out into covering some of these things, trying to make like a centralised, um, working with different student mm. unions to make, because this uh, decolonized movement, the de- decolonized network is definitely something that like the NUS has been working with. Yeah. And that like most unis have their own little mm. hub of, but... I think it's important that we have like some sort of overarching mm. unified front because every uni is now reinventing mm. the, the wheel and trying to get in the same thing. If we have some, you know, some framework that we all understand is in place, it means we can get past the one-on-one thing. Because the death of student politics is the quick turnover. Mm. You know, like everyone moves out of the uni who was working on it three years. After three years, they're done, they're off doing something else, and then people start again from scratch without mm-hmm. paying attention to what came before. Mm-hmm. So okay, I think, yeah. like, it's and Project Myopia because we're not really affiliated to anyone, yeah, we're in a really good position to be able to like host those mm-hmm. resources if it comes down to it. You know, mm-hmm. I'd be happy for us to be that kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm.
1: yeah, platform. Like, I think you're right to have that kind of framework so people can reference to England yeah, and fall back so this to This already yeah.
2: exists, someone has made it, yeah, yeah, and we're gonna use it, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What do you think, like anecdotally about? Um, and this isn't to take away of any. Like we we've had them on the podcast, we know them. Like you're here talking about all this amazing decolonising work that you're doing. But what do you think about the general decolonising mood and movement we've had over the last five years? Even what are your anecdotally like? What do you think?
2: I think. The, <laughs> Sorry, I know, it's a really, You said the last five years, yeah. like, I was 20. I was not even on it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> so, no. I mean, I am I really kind of came to it, maybe, like, you know, I started doing my, like, my master's was in post-colonial literature, literature in, mm. you know, when I was, like, 21, mm. 22. So that's, like, kind of when I got involved in, like, the student political scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that, I wasn't really. I,
0: I guess it's obviously this work has been going on for years and years, decades. Yes. But in the last sort of, like, five years, we've seen institutions, not necessarily, not in all cases co-opt, but you see institutions having to possibly take policies more seriously Mm -hmm. or say they are. I am Um, seeing,
2: like, definitely seeing, like, the dulling of the meaning of it, the fact that, like, decolonize is being used as the biggest buzzword ever. mm. And, like, even with the stuff that I'm doing now, like... I said liberating the classroom as like the title of this workshop I wanted to do. And there was like already a fear that that might be too aggressive and might stop people coming. And I was kinda like, Liberate. Liberate That's <laughs> Oh, it's
0: too political, Rihanna, it's too political. Huh? Well, yeah. you're lucky uh, I didn't
2: say decolonise, and the only reason I didn't is because I thought you guys wouldn't get it. Oh,
1: I, <laughs> but come on.
2: That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's the fact that, see, the because the far right have kind of infiltrated university mm. spaces, it's made everyone, like, the kind of high in presence, tiptoe, tiptoe around. around it. So if you say something that seems seem to be kind of openly political. Yeah,
2: I or, don't want to invite or, these people in my DMs. Or, I don't want to invite yeah. a fight. Mm. Like I'm trying to get my PhD at the yeah. same time.
1: Mm. Uh, and, and, this, and this is what's great. And, you, and university is scared of being agitators, but that defeats the purpose of a university, right? Mm-hmm. It's about Absolutely. knowledge, it's about debate, mm. it's about different points of view. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a strange time. It's a strange it's time. A a strange, strange it time. is a
0: strange time. And sort of the reason why I asked a sort of yeah, like open ended question like that is because, and it, obviously it's not the same at all. But I hear like education professionals, people within higher education, talking about decolonising, and in the in the in the same breath using words like intersectional. Like it's, be, they, oh, it, yeah, it feels. Do you know what I mean? And it's like. Yeah. Do you know where those things like where those things came from? Like black,
2: you know, black political thought. Yeah, black and I just—it's
0: just really like if good things can come out of it. That's that's yeah. really good that they're.
2: That's kind of where i Yeah, like, I'm not too. I'm not too fast. I'm trying not to get too bogged down and things like that. Yeah, because I just need results. I totally, I'm
0: with. You. I'm totally with you. you know, I do, like, I, I do get you. I sort of have to fight I my need results.
2: I need my own comfort. I need comfort of the people to come after. Mm-hmm. You know, and as long as enough of these results are geared, as long as those people are centered in the movement, I will always be centering my people in mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Like I will always make sure that at the forefront is the most marginalized. Mm-hmm. Like. Everyone else can come after, mm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm. So when I start seeing like white women co-opting, decolonizing and stuff, mm. and I'm like, "What? <laughs> you coloniser? What?
0: Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
2: know, like that's that's like problematic." And you know, like obviously, definitely trying to make sure that the people at the front of the forefront of the movement are the people who understand mm. these, like you know, mm. like. Uh, it's one of those recent things you see on Twitter where people are talking about themselves being an intersectional feminist, where that doesn't even like literally doesn't make sense. You clearly haven't read the paper. It's a framework of analysis. You cannot mm. be intersectional, What mm. you did know, people, like people say that. Yes, mm.
1: truly, truly, truly. This, is why, on, why so this she, is why I'm not. This is why I'm on social oh, media. This is why i social media. Well, because you study yeah. it
2: and it's too painful.
1: <laughs> 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 it's these people just say nonsense. Just, man. They don't. They don't think. It's
2: yeah. So that is like. All part and parcel of it. But at the end of the day, they're not the people I'm working with. No. they not the people I'm building with, so I'm not really that fast. And
0: it's really, you know what, for me, it's really therapeutic, actually, listening to women like you talking, black women like you talking, because it makes me feel... It sort of lifts me slightly, in fact, makes me feel reassured because I do get bogged down in that critique. Like, I do, I let it weigh me down so often because I just feel like it's so easy to find, like, those... Oh, it's the eternal, don't read the comments, just keep... Yeah, don't read the comments, but just, like, academia is just so, like, tainted with just so much bullshit and, like, yeah, I do have to... Get better at not getting bogged down in that and centering as you say, my people—the people that I want to help the most. Yeah, yeah I think you want
2: to work with. Yeah, I like, just talk to them. I'm, I don't yeah. really talk to other people right now.
0: Yeah, I'm like, really like
2: the embodiment of why I no longer talk to white people about race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I feel like there's roles. There's roles for all of us, isn't there? Like, T, you want to talk to them, don't you? No,
1: but that's ultimately, cool. you guys like, do. that yeah, exactly, has to. exactly, yeah.
0: exactly. So, but well, I've reached my quota. I think it's so where I'm getting more like Rihanna now. Is that I don't know if I can work in these places.
2: I am going to work in these places, funnily enough. I am, yeah. And um, I'm going to make a lot of money doing it. I'm no. I'm probably going to uh, be broke forever. No. No, but, but, but um, you know, like, I do think that, like, yeah, it's unavoidable, like, if you want to be, but I'm doing my best to fight. like, so I'm always going to conferences in the States because in my area of, like, black digital humanities, thriving over there. Yeah yeah thriving and like you know whereas i'm the only black digital humanist humanist in my department yeah like every conference i'm seeing the same people yeah 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 yeah, going to the same conferences and departments are like growing exponentially it's beautiful and you know like i understand like i'm always going over there and bringing like the black british perspective because again like i talked about the african-american cultural homogeny but yeah like it's a real bomb for the soul honestly Mm. like being able to work with people that you don't have to You know, that I've already done the reading. But
1: what's scary about that is the kind of thing that the flight, the fact that we're all gonna end up over there. Everyone's going Don't worry,
2: I'm just going for a few years to make some money and then I'll be back.
1: (laughs) Because that's that's the fear because unless we stay here, how are we gonna change that, right? Yeah. But also bond this country. (laughs) (laughs) Bon Babylon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, like I see
1: what
0: she's saying, like I just
1: But like I said, like (laughs) I'm tired, <laughs> tired. <laughs> I
2: can make a lot more money
1: Yeah you can do those there man But I don't want See like you said It's people after me right Yeah I
2: know
1: So man's 41 when I, Yeah when i know. When I see you up behind us And I'm thinking, like, I want things to be better So when I see kids That are 13 I don't want them To do this again Yeah I know like, and this and this is this is the thing. This is reality, man. Why am I
2: getting told off? I know. I'm sorry. He does it. Cause I'm
0: often. I am saying you what, say what you're saying. It, it. We've got. We do. have... This is what I. I think I was talking to. I was, I was getting upset about something about academia the other day, and I spoke to Jason about. It and he was like, "Chantelle, it's bigger than you now." I was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "You have to. Do, you have to stay. You have to do the work because it's not about." It's not just about your individual life as an academic. It's about trying to change things. Listen. No, not have to be
2: sacrificial lamb. Yeah. I know. Sick. That's what I'm, I've am i done. My yeah. bit. Yeah.
1: We sacrifice something, man, to make stuff better. Like who
2: so, said that again? Uh, who said know, that? I don't know. This is such a fucking kids moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's true. Listen, like when you speak, when I speak, when I speak into my grandparents again, my grandmother, and you ask them what do they sacrifice, they sacrifice a lot, man. I know. So, <laughs> sorry <laughs> So like I said it's not, it's not news It's our turn
0: It's just our turn It's our turn man <laughs> <laughs> you're <such a>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you're
0: so I can't believe you're 25. You've done so much. See, the rest. You've done so to good.
2: America when a
0: care.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: stay, stay, you have to stay. Okay. To be fair part, though, man. we did a,
0: a episode with um friend of the podcast, yeah, my right. mate Duran. Yeah. yeah. He's, good, man. he's really, really cool. Amazing. He did his PhD at Cambridge and he's in Boston now. And he was saying, right, the door is more open for us in the US, mm-hmm. but but also it sucks not, over there, too. Yeah, exactly. There? He said it's a jar. Yeah. yeah. It's a jar, whereas in, in the UK, it's, it's shut. Like close. It's yeah. shut, but it's a jar yeah. in the US. So, yeah.
2: I'm not but, going over there until, like, Trump's died yet or
1: anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Win. Start, He's going to win. He's going to next
0: Yeah, so we've got another fight. Yeah. It won't be for a while. So, <laughs>
2: I have to wait, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> next <laughs> one could be worse, no. man.
2: That's true, and it probably will be. Yeah, once the... All right, I'll wait until after, like, the next civil war's done. Well,
0: isn't the current civil... Isn't the civil war going on right now? But it's online.
1: What? Um, what you mean, fights? Well, online. Well, just well, online, I mean where, the proper one.
0: The proper one, <laughs> yeah. The one that
1: has legis- legislation after
2: it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. yeah, name. Um... Can yes. we talk a little bit about The Colour of Madness? Mm-hmm. We're going to give away a copy of this to one of our listeners, so keep an eye on our socials. But tell us about how it came about, who's involved, um, how it happened, basically.
2: Right. Well, um, so it's it came about because of, like, literally just my experience of mental health whilst yeah. in the Academy, like yeah. a sad girl. And um, myself and my co-editor, we went to school together. Yeah, like me, Paula, and Samara all went to school together. It was power.
0: Powerhouse? Yeah, what school is this? <laughs> I'm going to send my kids there. <laughs> yeah, <it's not laughs> kid. kid. oh, I think no. it is. Did you have, like, some sort of, like, you know when you well, have, like, one black teacher? That,
2: like, it's, it's all the trauma. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, like, that's, that's what it is. Kind of. It's, like, being, like three black girls that were considered interchangeable for each other. So okay. we've come out and, like, made names for ourselves. Like, ah, you won't confuse me for <laughs> her again, will you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so,
0: no, I'm with you. But, yeah, it's absolute
2: uh, powerhouses. Yeah. So, the book. So, Samara is a medical doctor. She's currently working with the BBC right now. Uh, she's taking a year off medicine. And myself, i just started, i just finished my master's. I was invited to do a talk at Creative Scotland about, you know, being a black creative and, no, being a creative talking about mental health. Mm. It's like a mental health and creatives Mm. thing. Mm. And three other people in the panel were white men. And I was like, you know, and it became sort of apparent after this panel that there was, like, a lot more to be said about, like, being suffering from poor mental health whilst being a woman and whilst being Mm. a person of colour. And my publisher was in the audience. And basically we just landed on this idea of creating this anthology... Samara was my first choice because she'd already like written some like an, like a, an, an article for a journal about mm-hmm. um, like a study about uh, mm-hmm. black mental health already and yeah it just kind of spiraled honestly mm-hmm. so there's like 54 contribu- contributors all BAME it's based in the UK and it's like loads of different experiences mm-hmm. uh, like from poetry to art it's beautiful uh, thank you it like, is loads of fiction like there's a couple like there's like an academic piece in here like a study and interviews and things and we've broken it up across the color spectrum so that each um, chapter <laughs> focuses on something different so like red is about anger orange is about confusion yellow is about mania and joy green is about um, family relationships relationships in general, um, polychrome is the coloured insert, mm-hmm. um, blue is about institutions, so like patients, practitioners, mm-hmm. um, the academy mm-hmm. all goes under that. Indigo is about depression. Violet is about spirituality and psychosis and religion and things.
1: I, I like those colours as a rainbow. Yeah, I like
2: that. same, yeah. The colour of that. Yeah. It's really, it, it's just so, it's so poignant
0: because it's something that I know obviously, like, it's quite close to me and T as well. Like, the being black and suffering from issues of mental health, like, I just feel like it is something that, there's so there's so much amazing work that's happening, but even sort of like with our own in our own families, it's so difficult to talk about.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, this that's like, sort of where it came from and why we work with the, yeah um, the like groups that we are working mm-hmm. with, you know, to talk about how to like open up these conversations in our communities. Like mm-hmm. the age range of this book is huge, mm-hmm. range of commut different um, you know backgrounds, mm-hmm. and you know, like it really does like you've got people like like loads of different disorders and comorbid okay. and it's like a lot of experiences and ways of talking about things that I think a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with as yeah. well so it's you know like really about starting that conversation some of the work we've done with it since has been really good so someone took it into parliament to talk about policy change I saw that, yeah. it's been added to some reading lists um, it's good man yeah, it's like good, at different good, universities it's so on psych wards um, in NHS libraries we've also partnered with a group called Project Neon which is a research project a digital research project that is like sort of geared towards making like loads of mental health recovery narratives uh, accessible online so that you can like go in answer some questions about yourself and then an algorithm will match you to a story that they think will help mm-hmm. so like that's been really important in terms of like access and accessibility Like, I've just joined um, Southwark councils, um, they've got a commission, so over the next year there's funneling a lot more money into mental health services Mm -hmm. and trying to have, like, access, free access Mm -hmm. to um, mental health care for um, young adults and children. Yeah, Yeah.
0: because I feel like, what I feel like it, it speaks to a little bit as well is how... We're always just so late in getting that care and mm-hmm. getting that diagnosis. Like, why? Why does that happen? Like, it it just feels well. Obviously, we know why it yeah. happens, but like, and like then when in, you
2: are diagnosed, it's usually like statistically with like significantly worse stuff. You know, okay, like with schizophrenia and like yeah. you know things that could have been helped with earlier. earlier. That's like both a failure in the mental health system in general. Yeah that is like exacerbated by being black so it's the kind of thing where like they're much more like if there was more time and money to go into preventative care or discussions Mm -hmm. about how to look after Mm -hmm. your mental health and then like with where we are like the culture of academia is so toxic and so you know so dangerous Mm -hmm. for our mental health Mm -hmm. um you know, like when you've got all of those factors coming together and then you add in like a reluctance to talk about mental health because of your cultural, ethnic background Mm -hmm. and, you know, the whole praying away and all these sorts of things, like when all those things just come together to mean that we are disproportionately suffering. The criminalisation of mental health when you are, you know, of a... You know, of a BAME background, yeah, 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 um, being more disproportionately likely to be medicated against your will or locked up Uh makes it like harder to disclose. Yeah, yeah. and I'm currently writing an article for the Welcome right now, like about um, about uh, problems with access in. um, Well, I'm writing about Black women's issues of access. So, like difficulties in when you're going to your GP. You're trying to express to them that you're suffering, and having to toe that line of respectability between, hello, I'm competent, and you know I know what I need, and you need to give me what I mm-hmm. need, and like I'm in enough pain that you need to help me. Which and can it's a um, dangerous for line black for black women. women. Yeah, dangerous, dangerous line. And I find that I'm always having to do things like pull rank and be like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Give me the antidepressants. Mm. I'm doing a PhD. I've edited a book. Like, can you just do what I'm telling you? And like, if you're not coming from that kind of privileged background, then Mm. like, how do you express to them that you need help without them like sectioning you? Yes. It's it's a horrible
1: thing. This is the thing. So this is what happened to one of my family members. They end up sectioning her Mm. because... They deemed her not to be mentally competent. She was, yeah. But you end up in a part of the system. Once you're in that system, it's impossible to get out of that. And then, like I said, that it's one of the worst experiences I've ever had going to a, a mental home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like, like it's truly like bedlam. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then in that environment, I, I, I don't think anyone can get better mm. because not in that environment. No, in that environment, no. No. But
0: yeah. If, yeah, I was like, I was, I was lucky enough to have. Um, an intervention when I was a teenager, but I spent time in one of those places, and if I had been in one as an adult, then I'm not sure I would have got out. Um,
1: It's it's different, man. Like like I said, the, the number of black people I saw in there, and not just black people... Uh, mostly marginalized people because, for whatever reason, they've fallen by the wayside and mm. society just pushed them there. See if they're a prison, they end up. And it
2: is disproportionately <laughs> black and brown people. Yeah. That was Samara's takeaway as well because she spent a lot of time working in these mm. wards
1: as a junior doctor. Mm. So. And uh, I think we're talking about mental health, is hard, man, for people. Mm. Like socially, culturally it's a very difficult thing to talk about and Mm. there are lots of
2: groups like um there's a group we uh are in contact with Taraki where like one of the things I really enjoy about their work is that they um advocate taking these discussions to like um like community centers like ethnic community Mm -hmm. centers so you know they're talking about getting your imam involved and you know like talking to them about mental health so Mm. that they are able to pass it on to Mm their older congregation, you know? Mm-hmm. And think about like if you you know, like a lot of we do talk about mental health in these different ethnic groups. It's just we talk about it in different ways mm-hmm. and in different places. So if you think about like, you know, a lot of people think that they're, you know, going to the church for this kind of discussion. What if like their pastor was actually trained to talk about these things and told them, redirected them mm-hmm. to healthcare services, said, Yeah, like praying is not enough. What we're gonna do is this too and that is yeah. That is what the Lord would want, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like these are the kinds of yeah, things yeah. that like should be part of our discussion. Mm-hmm. Because it's not that these conversations aren't happening. Yeah. It's just that they're not happening in the same places that they do for white people. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh
0: that's maybe a bit maybe a bit sad, I'm but sorry it, but that was no, a really sad no, point not, to end on. It's not, it's not, it's really important <laughs> and it just sort of like it, it brings to a nice close sort of all the different bits of work that you're doing and how important it all is and very much a scholar activist and we need it we need it. It does seem more. like the
2: stuff I do is really all over the place but I think no, it does all, kind I'll of talk. like it makes sense when you yeah like the mental health stuff kind of plays into the decolonizing the curriculum stuff.
0: And and it's yeah. just why we need more people like you like the people that come on and that we get to talk to is because I just always go back to thinking about Young people and like not having like said, not having the role models or not having the it's like it's, it's not not just role models it's having those cultures where we can talk about things outside of the we white age like man. it's mm. like
1: if you don't have those spaces what do we do yeah. what do we do so we go through some pain man
2: this is why I care about the digital spaces as well because mm-hmm. when yes. you can't always have these physical spaces they do exist online yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. you can have that space you know. Like yeah. black active black academic twitter yeah mm. they have like black twitter and um, black british twitter and then yeah. these facebook groups that are designed and the whatsapp groups that are being birthed like yeah you know they they exist somewhere
1: but like i said i think one of the fears i have is that these things are policed by
2: corporations mm. right oh yeah
1: so corporations have a tendency to piece out and sell that information
0: mm-hmm. do you think we're on a list
1: oh yeah so think, if I put on
0: a list I'll be pissed yes. <laughs> <laughs> honestly when we put out of the report, report you just like the government are coming for you yeah. <laughs> what do I have to do to get on a list <laughs> Jesus
1: <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> we're going to we're going to have to end there thank, thank you so on, so on that note on that note on that note put me um, on the list yeah. on the list um, thank you so much Rihanna for joining us that was thank super- you superb you. Um, thank you Thank you, listeners. Um, We will have another episode for our patrons coming up. Um, If you are able to join our patron community, please do. We totally understand if you cannot. Obviously, as usual, we're back every week. If you have time, please do rate and subscribe. And um, we'll see you next
2: week.
1: Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Surviving Society.
0: With Shantel and Tiso. Please like rate and subscribe. You can also find more of us on Twitter and Instagram.